this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we are joined by two men who will be joining ESPN's draft coverage next week. Kirk Herbstreet, the voice of college football, and Chris the Bear Falika, a college football researcher for ESPN's College Game Day. They will both be joining ESPN's coverage in Dallas next week with a unique perspective from the college game to the NFL level. And we'll have your questions on the Ask Adam segment. But first, Kirk Herbstreet and Chris the Bear Felica. All right, Kirk, you have your own podcast, the Herb Street and Fitzsimmons podcast. And Bear, you've got your own podcast, Behind the Bets podcast. So I appreciate you coming on this podcast. You guys know what works and what doesn't work on podcasts. How do you feel about transitioning from college football to the NFL draft here coming up later this month? I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, Chris... Uh, Chris and I, the bear, of course, we, we, <laughs> we, uh, we follow these college players, uh, probably as closely as anybody, uh, throughout their careers. And we've always had some thoughts and, and, uh, you know, like everybody else, you get excited to see these guys have an opportunity to go to the next level and, uh, to now be able to be in a position to be able to talk about that. And, you know, whether it's the, the game day uh, stuff that we'll be doing down in Dallas and then, uh, you know, joining, Adam, you and your your team uh, for me and Bear on the NFL side. I'm personally looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be a, a, a great scene uh, down in Arlington now, uh, this, I, next week. I love it as well. And having grown up on Long Island, I was always one of those guys who would go. To, there, I would go to the draft did and you, actually watch. Did you boo, Bear? I'm did a Jets. I'm, I'm a Jets fan. Do you think I had many many opportunities to boo some of them? <laughs> Hey, Bear, I grew up a Jets fan, too. I would stay home from school back in the day when the draft was on the radio, and I would listen to it on Tuesday and Wednesday and scrutinize those picks. I remember when the Jets traded up for Johnny Lamb Jones at number two. They traded two first-round picks that turned out to be Earl Stuckey and Earl Cooper, or Jim Stuckey, <laughs> Jim Stuckey. and Earl Cooper, right? Yeah, they, they, they went on to do uh, pretty well with a franchise that won a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I've always been a big draft fan. Kirk, what was your reaction when the people at ESPN asked you to first do this? Uh, yeah, I said, uh, Lee Fitting approached me about it late, uh, during the college football season, might have been during the bowl season and asked me if I had any interest. Um, you know, at, at that point, John Gruden was thinking about maybe taking the, the Raiders job. And, uh, I said, sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to. And, uh, first thing I asked is, is the bear allowed to, to come? And I, he, <laughs> he, he, of course, is already working, uh, the draft from, for so many years. So yeah, man, it was, uh, kind of a no brainer for me. And, uh, just happy to be a part of it and looking forward to working with, uh, with, with the whole crew. So you guys are doing double duty because for those who don't know it, game day is going to have a two hour show leading up to the draft on ESPN on draft night. Will that be difficult? Because usually you'll get done with game day. I guess Kirk, you're going to do a game. So this is probably light work compared to what you normally do during the season. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten so conditioned to, uh, to do game day and then, you know, sometimes we'll have more often than not, we, we do game day and we do a primetime game, uh, during the most, most weeks of the college football season. And Bear does game day and then he's also in the truck, uh, for the game that I call. And there have been, uh, many times though, where it's a noon kick and game day goes to noon and I'll try to stay on the set until, you know, about 1145, 1150. And then they'll race me up to the booth and, and, uh, we'll knock out, you know, the game. So this will be 
a lot of fun to be able to see my guys that I, I don't get a chance to see, um, talk to them about a lot of these prospects and then hustle over to, to join, uh, the rest of the crew and get ready for the draft and, and, uh, hear the commissioner say that the Browns are on the clock. And it, it's great. I, I have an arsenal of, uh, college based stats and all these guys that many of the times, they don't make it into the normal broadcast, so I think this extra two-hour show is going to be great. It's a chance for uh, our, our college-based audience to maybe learn a thing or two about colleges and when they've had certain players drafted in certain trends with schools and conferences. Because if there's one thing you and, and Kirk and myself know, it's uh, the, the college sports fans love their conference debates and uh, the, the whole SEC Big Ten uh, a drama and debate on who's the better conference and draft picks. I think the uh, the SEC fans might win that one. So, Bear, what are some of the stats and trends you've noticed so far as you're gearing up for this draft that might help prep people for this upcoming event? Well, I had mentioned the SEC right off the bat, and it really is amazing. If you go back since 2010 with Alabama, they've had 21 first-round picks, which is nine more than anybody else in the country, and it really is amazing. And then you figure, what, they're going to have another four this year? So you're looking at what, nine years, 25 first-round picks, an average really three a year. It really is amazing the job that Nick Saban at Alabama has done putting guys in a position to be successful in the NFL. Herbie, what do you make of this quarterback debate? Everybody is wondering which quarterbacks will go where. Which of these QBs stand out to you? Well, I think they all kind of stand out in their own way. I think it just depends on what you're looking at. and You know, if you're up there, the Cleveland Browns and – so many different teams, you know, there's even talk about the Giants, even though Eli Manning, it looks like he could still play for a couple more years. I mean, you have to start thinking about uh, your future. Uh, Buffalo's up there. I mean, you can go down the list of teams that need quarterbacks. What, what kind of scheme do you run? What kind of quarterback do you think fits best into your scheme? I, 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 I'm a little bit on an island. I, I, I like all these guys, but I'll tell you that I like Baker Mayfield a little bit more than the rest as we sit here right now. And the reason is when you watch film and you've been around and you watch this team play, he, he makes plays. He is a winner. He processes information quickly. He's incredibly accurate throwing the football. I think people that have not seen him and maybe seen highlights or they maybe heard about some of the off the field issues, you know, they kind of roll their eyes and they say he's too short to make it in the NFL. I would be very, very careful of saying that about this guy. Um, he has a competitive fire that is contagious that his teammates uh, gravitate towards and he has a way of leading them and the players buy into uh, to, to his approach. And I, I just think that because of the accuracy, the ability to make plays from the pocket, the ability to get out of trouble and create, I think it's very unique. And when you throw in the intangibles or that it factor, which he has, uh, it'd be hard for me to pass on Baker Mayfield. I compare him to a young Drew Brees coming out of Purdue um, and the flamboyancy of a young Brett Favre, the way he used to do some things like a shovel pass or a no-look pass to a on a scramble, you know, some of the crazy things that Brett used to do when he was young. Baker has that that kind of wild side in him. So I, I, I would put him at the top for me, and then I would put probably Sam Darnold uh, would be my next guy and potentially has the most upside. But in my opinion, it's still very raw. Uh, he, even though he's going to be at maybe the first pick overall or definitely with the first couple picks, here's a guy that still could use another year of college football. Uh, there's times where he'll make a play that you'll look around and say, are you kidding me? I mean, just pull out the Penn State game, watch him against uh, uh, Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I don't know how many plays he made in that game alone that made you just say, can you imagine him 
in the NFL, what he's going to do. And this past year, sure, he had some of those moments, but he also had moments where he turned the ball over. He also had moments where he got, he started to scramble before he needed to. And so I think you're getting a little bit more of a project when you pick Sam Darnold, not so much a turnkey, throw him in. Hey, we need a quarterback. He's playing week one. I think he would need a year to kind of just kind of feel things out. And hopefully he'll go to a team that has a, a quarterback that, uh, that can play. But Sam probably long term, could have the most upside uh, out of out of the whole bunch. Adam, but, Adam, yeah. Kirk brought up Baker Mayfield, and I wanted to ask you if you have maybe heard anything from NFL teams. If you look at the Big 12 historically, yeah. they've had eight quarterbacks taken in the first round. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, one game. You can't make judge them on that. But they love him. Love Kansas him. City. Robert Griffin III, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, Blaine Gabbert, Sam Bradford, Josh Freeman, Vince Young. You're looking at one guy in Vince Young who had a winning record as a starting quarterback from that group of eight from the Big 12, and he's the only quarterback that had a, a QBR of 53 or better. So track record hasn't been that great. Is that no. is that something that comes up when, when they're trying to evaluate Baker? I, I think it probably does. Look, you look at USC quarterbacks, and you say there aren't that many that have gone on to have great success in the NFL level, but I still think you're evaluating that player uh, on yeah. what he's done, and that stands on yeah. its own. Here you've got Kirk saying that – and correct if I'm wrong here, Kirk, if you were John Dorsey and you're sitting there at number one, you would take Baker Mayfield ahead of these other guys. No, here, here's what I would here's what I would do. I would take the best player in the draft, number one. I would take Saquon Barkley because he is is as good a running back prospect that I've seen in the last fifteen or twenty years doing this. I would take Saquon Barkley with one. I would assume that other teams, the next couple picks, are going to pick the Josh Allens and the Josh Rosens mm-hmm. and whoever else that, that's going to be selected. I would assume that Baker's still going to be there at four. So I wouldn't pick Baker at one and hope you could get, you know, Bradley Chubb at four. I would make sure I got Saquon Barkley at one and then I would pick Baker Mayfield at four. See, that's what bit- I would do. And I would, that would change that, that offense drastically. And Bear, this is what we were talking about before we came on the podcast. Bear was wondering, why the Browns shouldn't do exactly what you're saying. And I would say this to you, that when they hired John Dorsey as the general manager in Cleveland, and he brought along Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf from Green Bay, and they brought aboard Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator, the one charge that was left to this organization, to these men, is to go find a quarterback. Go find a quarterback when a team has gone ahead and used the 22nd overall pick in the first round on Brady Quinn and Johnny Manziel and Brandon Whedon, and then traded away the rights for Carson Wentz in one draft, Deshaun Watson in the next draft. They have passed on far too many quarterbacks, and it's why they're not going to get cute. Even if you think Saquon Barkley is the best player in this draft, and if I heard that correctly, you're saying the best prospect in the last 15 to 20 years, the last best running back prospect. At that position. At that position. They are going to go quarterback at number one. You could take that to the bank. Okay, so then it becomes a question of what do the teams behind them, Giants at two, Jets at three do, and the Giants are the great mystery. The Jets at three are going quarterback. So are the Giants also going quarterback, leaving Barkley for the Browns at four if that's what they want? Because I think the Browns would love to go Barkley or Chubb at four, but the Giants hold the key. And if the Browns go Allen, maybe the Giants go Darnold. If the Browns go Darnold, maybe the Giants then at that point in time go Chubb or Barkley. There's a lot of different ways this could go, but the one thing I don't think is going to happen is I don't think the Browns are going to bypass a quarterback at one, in part because of all their history and in part because of what these men were brought aboard 
to do for this organization. No, that, that, that makes sense. What, what you're saying. And I can, I, you know, I'm being from Ohio and understanding the Browns history, um, you know, the six, many successful years that they've had. And then of course, since they left and came back, it's, it's been some lean years and that, that position you're talking about, uh, I, I'm sure before they even, became uh, put in a position of management. They understood that, hey, we got to get this right. And here we are with the first pick. Let's let's get it out of the way and get it right right now. My point is, are, is there really a separation? You've evaluated these guys on film. You watched them at the combine. You brought them in. You've worked them out. Is there really a significant, that is our guy without a question? Is there? Because I don't see it. I, I, I personally, I think Sam Darnold is... Is a great prospect. I, I just told you about Baker. I know that people love Josh Allen. He's got the big, strong arm. There are people that like Josh Rosen. The ball comes out of his hand so effortlessly, and he's coming out of a system where you know he's he's probably the most NFL ready. You could you could make a case for him. I mean, is there really one guy? You're you're going to four. You're not going to like twenty five. You're you're at four. You're willing to pass on Saquon Barkley because you're 1,000% convinced that Sam Darnold or whoever it is is that much better than the guy you would get at four? You're going to get Saquon I, Barkley or Chubb at four. You're going to get one well, of those well, guys I, at four. Well, how, how, are there guarantees on that? Yeah, because the Jets are going to go quarterback. I just don't know how you pass on – I don't know how you pass on Saquon Barkley, man. I just don't – I just don't know that how. Good. I, that good. That good. If you can still – yes, yes, elite. And he will be the face of your franchise. And you know what? He'll be the first guy to the facility and the last guy to leave, and he'll be humble. How refreshing yeah. to have a running back who's a high-profile – Guy that like you just gonna give him all the money in the world, and he's gonna be the hardest working guy on your team. Like, how many guys are there like that currently in the NFL? Well, it's rare. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know very many of them. Can, can, can you imagine the New York, the New York tabloids? One of them will take it and run. 1990 Jets take Penn State running back Blair Thomas second <laughs> overall. 2018 Giants take Saquon Barkley, Penn State running back second overall. Yeah, I don't think Saquon's career is gonna. Got to take the path that Blair Thomas did, by the way. I agree with Kirk. I think he's a great player. Bear, we heard Kirk talking about Saquon Barkley. Give me one player in this draft that you absolutely love, Bear, from following college football the way you do. I like Roquan Smith from Georgia. I think if you saw the plays that he made in the Rose Bowl, especially in the second half and the national championship game against Alabama, uh, I think he's a player that he's a tackling machine. And, and again, another guy who... No off the field issues, just a great player, and I think at the linebacker spot he's going to go on and have a great career. Kirk, you got a guy on the defense side of the football you love for me? Well, he just hit on Roquan, Roquan sideline to sideline, uh, just a, a quiet assassin with the way he plays the game, and he, a great another guy brings all the intangibles that you want. Uh, kind of like a C.J. Mosley type now playing with the Ravens, making the Pro Bowl, just uh, just just effective and gets the job done. I think I think how Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick fall will be interesting. There's some people that are going to love Minka and everything that he brings with the versatility. Uh, he can move around and play safety. He can play the slot. They move him down. Nick Saban brought him down in, in dime situations to play that linebacker spot. Uh, because they love to blitz him. And then you have Derwin James. And if you watch Derwin James, I know he had some injuries back in 16. 
but again, another guy with a ton of versatility, great length. Their bodies are very different, even though they, they have some similar attributes as far as the way they play. But which one of those guys is going to go first? And as soon as one of them goes, I bet you the other one's going to go pretty quickly. So outside of Roquan Smith, uh, the other two guys that jump out to me are Derwin James and, and Minka Fitzpatrick on the defensive side. We're going to have Minka Fitzpatrick on our podcast as a guest next week. But I want to ask you this also. Is there one guy who's a little bit less heralded? We've talked about these guys at the top of the draft. Darnold and Allen and Baker Mayfield and Rosen and Minka Fitzpatrick and Roquan Smith and Derwin James. Give me a guy who's not getting as many headlines who's somebody that you would love to see your favorite team draft. Well, I think there's a few guys. I think Rashawn Evans, the linebacker from Alabama, uh, again, a guy that can play in the middle uh, but has a lot of experience rushing the quarterback, kind of like a Dante Hightower when he's with the Patriots. They can play him at linebacker, and then they can move him down as a kind of an outside rush guy on third and long situations, passing situations. He's a guy to, to kind of keep an eye on. And to me, he's only going to get better and better uh, as a middle linebacker. I like there's two corners that I like that they don't seem to be getting a lot of attention. Uh, Jair Alexander out of Louisville. I, I, if I were picking the top corner in the draft for me, I would pick uh, Jair Jer- Alexander. Just a kind of a, a nasty approach to playing that skill position. Uh, great ball skills. If you go back and look at the Clemson game in 2016 against Deshaun Watson in the Clemson uh, offense, he had, I think he had two interceptions. Pivotal plays at crucial moments in that game. So he's a guy I like. And another one is Josh Jackson from Iowa. Yeah. Great length and size. Uh, again, doesn't seem to get a lot of the recognition and the accolades. Some of the other players, but uh, another guy that I really like. So so we're taking Jair Alexander ahead of Denzel Wardkirk? A, a, a For me. Guy? Wow. Oh yeah, I, I I don't I just say what I think. I'm not I'm I'm well beyond cheering for Buckeyes yeah, I got in the that. air, you know. So, uh yeah, you're just asking me who I like. I, I like J.R. Alexander, I like Josh Jackson. The, the one thing about Denzel Ward is people it sounds like in the NFL, they have a tendency to look at, well, look at um Blair Thomas. He wasn't very good uh, at Penn State or look at all these Big 12 quarterbacks that haven't done well. I don't know about Baker. Look at these USC quarterbacks. I don't know about uh, Sam Darnold. Look at all these great Ohio State defensive backs. So Denzel Ward must be a great one. It's like I kind of evaluate guys based on who they are individually and not the history of uh, finding out what teams and conferences have done. I think uh, Denzel Ward is a unique talent. He can run uh, tremendous speed. But the, the ball skills at a corner position in college, you'd be shocked if you watched as many games as we watch with – how rare it is to find guys turn and locate the football. So they can cover, but a lot of times they don't have the ability to find the ball. Both the guys that I'm talking about, Alexander and Jackson, do that. And so that's what probably gives them a little bit of an edge, uh, even though Denzel Ward's going to have a great career, and I think he's a great player. I just think those other two guys aren't getting the, the recognition that maybe they deserve. Kirk hit on two defensive backs. I want to hit on two wide receivers that I think, you know, last year we had the running back running round two when yep. they all worked. I think this year's second-round group of wide receivers – if you look at Christian Kirk, you look at Anthony Miller, guys like that, they could be guys mm. who I think could have really, really good uh-huh. uh, rookie years and careers. You look at Kirk, he can return kicks. And in, in, in this era where everyone's worried about college players, well, I'm not going to play in my bowl game, I'm going to sit out. Christian Kirk played in a bowl game that meant nothing. And he got hurt in the game and went back in. 
That's the type of kid that I want playing on my team. And I think Anthony Miller is a kid from Memphis who makes a lot of big plays as well. I I think Kirk and Miller will be second-round steals for a couple of teams. Well, guys, I want to thank you for taking some time today. Officially welcome you to the NFL Draft team here on ESPN next week. Game day will be making an appearance to our show before we come on for the main show. So Kirk does double duty. The Bear will be there along for the ride as usual. It should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see you guys down in Dallas and get to the festivities that await us. Gonna Look be forward a, to it. Absolutely. Thanks for having be a lot of fun. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. Adam, it's been so long since we've taken some Ask Adam questions. I thought the phone company might shut down the number. But sure enough, they did not. And luckily... Oh, yeah, that is, it's great news. It's great news. The phones still work here. Yep. So what do you say? You want to take some uh, listeners' questions? Let's do it. Let's get it rolling. Well, we just heard Kirk Herbstreet rave about Saquon Barkley, mm. which brings us to this voicemail for you. My name is John Carlo. I was wondering if you think Saquon Barkley is a true superstar or if this is just a case of showing up and doing having a great combine. Thank you. Well, listen, they talked about him as being a superstar long before he showed up at the Combine and did what he did. When you talk to NFL personnel people, they say he's a generational player. And you heard Kirk Herbstreet say he's the top running back prospect in the last 15 to 20 years. I think that, those are the exact words he used, were they not, Josh? They were, yes. Yeah. So when you're talking about what Kirk Herbstreet believes is the top running back prospect in 15 to 20 years, and I've heard other general managers say something very similar – Best running back since Adrian Peterson. Generational talent. Elite running back. There's a lot of ways that he has been described. But the fact of the matter is is that you've got a guy here who teams believe is going to be a superstar running back. Doesn't mean he will be. But again, the feeling going into the draft is that he will be. Well, and I think the question, Adam, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it's all about value. Because if you think somebody like Darius Geis or Sony Michelle can give you similar production and you can get them a round or two later, yep. then that makes more sense, right? Well, Josh, I think the way you look at this always is you, you, you could look at a player like Saquon and say, okay, well, I could take him at number four. And if I take him at four, that means I'm not going to take one of those running backs at the top of the second round, whoever that may be, whether that's Sony Michelle or Darius Geis or whoever slides to you at that spot. And I think a lot of times what these teams will do is they, they don't just look at the singular pick in the first round. They look at multiple picks. Like if we go right. offensive lineman in the first round and running back in the second round or running back in the first round and then offensive line in the second round, what's a better combination? Absolutely. What helps our team more? And I think the Browns and every team are going through that exercise when they're determining – whether or not to take Saquon Barkley, who, again, is viewed as a generational talent. A team that hasn't had a generational running back in, oh, I don't know, about a generation, the Detroit Lions, yeah. which brings us to this voicemail. Hey, Adam. Adam in Ann Arbor here. I got a question for you on my Lions. Is this the draft they get a consistent 1,000-yard running back? We've had uh, two in the last 15 years in terms of running backs that have rushed for 1,000 yards. Curious if we can get a Darius Geis, Sonny Michelle, or your thoughts on that and if they fit with us. Thanks. Well, I appreciate the question, Adam, in Ann Arbor. And I would say this to you, that they have talked a lot about getting a running back and building the running game and establishing a ground attack. And for whatever reason, it really hasn't happened since Barry Sanders was there. Maybe they should go bring Barry Sanders out of retirement. Maybe that would be the best, surest bet to make things happen. And I'm sure that's partly a systematic failure on their part more so than it is a personnel failure. They've certainly devoted enough resources to that position. It just hasn't worked out. But here's what I think. They went out and signed LeGarrette Blunt. So he's going to bring some punch 
to their offense. Now, I don't know whether he gets a thousand yards in that offense, but a thousand yards really is a secondary figure compared to whether or not there would be the threat of a run game, a presence in the run game. And I think Blunt can do that. And I think if they mix that up with another guy, whether they hold on to Abdullah or decide to move him somewhere else, I think that they have some of those other backs there that catch the football out of the backfield. It's just more important to establish the run. Forget about the production. And establishing the run is something that they have not been able to do. And I think that they believe that with a guy coming in like Matt Patricia, I know it's the same offensive coordinator and Jim Bob Cooter, so maybe the offensive system doesn't change that much, but maybe some of the thinking and ideas behind running the football do, and maybe they get another offensive lineman in the draft. Maybe they get another running back. But I know there's an effort there, but they've been talking about making an effort for a long time, and the results haven't been there. So until we see the results, we'll see. But I think that they're putting into play certain parts that would lead to a stronger running game, no matter what that production actually turns out to be. Obviously, Adam, the biggest story from the past week was Dallas parting ways with Des Bryant. A lot of people want to know where Des will land. By far, our most popular voicemail, but we went with this one. Hey, Adam, this is Derek. My question to you is, now that Des Bryant is no longer a part of the Cowboys, what team do you think would make the most sense for him to sign with this upcoming season? Could it be the Packers, since they lost Jordy Nelson? Could it be the Patriots, since they lost Brandon Cooks? Thanks. Well, Derek, I appreciate the question. And look, we're taping this Monday, early Monday afternoon. So a decision from Des Bryant could come at any time. We don't know. But as we're taping this, he has not decided. And I would say that going in, some teams that would make some sense would be the Green Bay Packers, the Baltimore Ravens. I think those make a lot of sense. Now, I know that maybe the Buffalo Bills might sniff around. We'll see if they decide to do that. The Saints went and signed Cameron Meredith. So I think that goes out the window. Uh The Jets, I don't see making a move. Some people have talked about them. I don't see the Patriots involved on Des Bryant. Just don't see that's what they're going to do. To me, when I look at this, to me, the Packers and the Ravens make a lot of sense. The Ravens have had a history of taking guys like this, putting them in their system, and allowing them to thrive. We saw it with Steve Smith, and I think they could do the same thing for Des Bryant. And who wouldn't want to go to Green Bay and play with Aaron Rodgers at this point in their career, particularly when there's an opening at the wide receiver position? Again, this could go any which way. I really don't know where Des Bryant's going to go. I, I don't feel confident that he's going to wind up in the NFC East despite his wishes of saying that he wants to go up against the Dallas Cowboys twice a year. I think that was said in the heat of the moment right after he was released. I don't see a landing spot in the NFC East. Maybe that changes. Maybe I'm wrong there. To me, the teams I'm watching be the Ravens, the Bills, the Packers. Uh, those are some obvious teams that you would look at right now. Yeah, going through our voicemails, a lot of fans desperately want Dez to end up in the NFC East, but like you said, it doesn't look like that's the most likely destination. Finally, Adam, we got this one going to the Midwest. Hello, Adam. This is Albert from Kansas City. I'm wondering why the Chiefs are signing running backs this late in the offseason. With Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West, Kareem Hunt already on roster, why are they signing running backs such as Damian Williams and Kerwin Williams? Well, what I would tell you, Albert, is they're not costing very much money. It's a minimal investment. And I, and I think we've seen the Chiefs in the past, uh, when they've lost Spencer Ware to, due to injury, when they've lost Trakandrick West due to injury, we've seen that they've been shorthanded at that position. It's not like they're signing Damian Williams or Kerwin Williams to come in and unseat Kareem Hunt. That's not happening. They're just adding running back depth. That's all they're doing. They're adding running back depth at a minimal price. Okay, they went out and spent big dollars, big dollars on Sammy Watkins, a, a player that 
I think some people felt was overpaid in the free agent market. So if you want to quibble, Albert, about the prices that the Chiefs are paying, I would quibble with some of the top acquisitions like Sammy Watkins, not the running backs who are getting basically veteran minimum salary, not costing anything and providing some valuable insurance for this backfield. Again, these guys are not threats to unseat Kareem Hunt. It's just depth. It's it's inexpensive depth, and it's probably a wise move on the Chiefs' part. And with the roster size being what it's allowed to be at right now, there's no reason not to add that depth, right? Yeah, particularly with these guys out there. Now, again, I think there's always good running back depth available in the draft, and this is supposed to be a very deep running back class, and maybe you could find a bargain later in the draft. There always seem to be good running back values later on. But the Chiefs just felt like, hey, time to get some veteran insurance in here. The price is right. Why not go ahead and do it now? Good to get your voices back on the show. Reminder to keep them coming. Call us at 860-506-5779. Leave your voicemail and make sure you leave your name so you get credit for leaving your question. We'll be back next week with Alabama cornerback Minka Fitzpatrick, Colorado cornerback Isaiah Oliver, and Washington State quarterback Luke Falk, amongst other special guests. But a special thank you today to Kirk Herbstreet and Chris the Bear Felica, who joined us on today's podcast and will join us again next week in Dallas for the upcoming NFL Draft. Until next week, everybody, thanks for listening to this Adam Schefter Podcast.